Footprints presents The Incredibles, a series where you meet ordinary but incredible individuals. Many people never visit the bookstore in their neighborhood. But what would happen if that bookstore shut down? Around 2015 to 2016, the bookstore finally broke even. But honestly, we were so close to shutting down. It was the last mile, and we made it. I fell in love with bookstores without a reason. It was like someone put a spell on you. Hi, my name is Hongxia. I'm the shop manager of the archaeological bookstore. One thing that I feel most proud of is my decision to come back to the bookstore and stick to the bookselling industry. English novelist George Orwell once wrote in his essay *Bookshop Memories* that working in a bookshop and dealing with snobbish and irritating customers made books no longer appealing to him. Sharing some of Orwell's observations, Hong Xia, however, is still obsessed with being a bookseller. In this episode of *Footprints*, we'll take you to the hidden gem specialty bookstore in Beijing and meet the stubborn young Chinese bookseller. And hear how she has succeeded in beating all the odds to keep a physical bookstore alive. Stay tuned. On a hot summer's day, we visited an independent bookstore in Beijing. Hidden in a plain alleyway and surrounded by old apartment buildings. The archaeological bookstore is located on the first floor of a low-rise concrete building, appearing slightly out of place in the quiet neighborhood. Our interview started with a pleasant tour of the bookstore. The bookshop consists of two small rooms, each around 50 square meters. Both rooms are filled with ivory-colored wooden bookshelves, tall enough to reach the ceiling, slicing the already narrow space into slim lanes. Books fill up the shelves and spill over to create piles on side tables. Unopened book boxes lie casually around every corner, creating a chaotic yet somewhat neat reading space. Hung told us books here are not categorized traditionally. You cannot find sci-fi, self-help, or young adults' novels here. But if you're looking for the most recent archaeological report on Dunhuang, or the catalogue of a Chinese porcelain exhibition, this is the place. Just listing a few curious titles to give you an impression: Fairy Tales, Sacrifice, and the Civilization of Yangtze River. Research on Shang Dynasty disasters by studying oracle bone scripts. Costume and adornment of Confucius descendants in the Ming Dynasty. When giving us the tour, Hong Xia manifested immense knowledge and familiarity with all the categories, the obscure titles, and the publishers. She's in her early thirties, wearing casual jeans and a plain shirt. 
You could hardly associate this young woman with a specialty bookstore stocking rare tomes on archaeological discoveries. She has the simplicity and sincerity often seen in a college student. We sat down for the interview at a table right there in the bookstore. With a dining table and two couches, it was the only seating area of the entire shop. There are no baristas or souvenirs sold here. Throughout the interview, the bookshop had no visitors. We rarely have visitors in the bookshop, just one or two people. It depends. More people buy books directly from me via the messaging app WeChat. This morning, for example, a professor from Shandong University contacted me. Right before our tour, I asked you to wait because I had to reply to an inquiry from a provincial archaeological institute. We process about 20 orders online every day. That being said, Hong still has to work six days a week, and her daily routine is packed. On a daily basis, I'm mainly responsible for picking titles for the bookstore, serving institutional clients, and arranging store logistics. Every morning, I start with cleaning. Then I'll curate two books and have our staff fragment them on our social media account. After that, I'll spend my time looking over book lists and contacting different publishers to make orders and restock. Sometimes there will be avid readers in store who just want to chat. If I have time, I'll happily talk to them. With so many miscellaneous errands to run, Hung has two more staff at the store to help her out. An English major graduate works at the front desk. She's also in charge of running the social media accounts. Ironically, she's not a particularly social person. A 29-year-old former IT geek operates the online stores. He wrote code before working at the bookstore. Hung studied history back in college, so dealing with archaeological books isn't much of a challenge. For her staff, getting familiar with all the highly academic titles requires a lot more effort. Working at a bookstore requires immense effort and hard work. There are no shortcuts. On some social media platforms, you see influencers recommending books. In reality, many of them never finish reading that many of them. They just browse information about the books online and simply share it. Though my staff have no relevant academic background in archaeology. They immerse themselves in the books. The girl at the front desk makes an inventory of all new titles, inputs book information to the system, and shelves them every day. Sometimes she knows our stock better than me. Our e-commerce guy also needs to read and upload book information on a daily basis. Whenever we receive an order, he needs to quickly locate the books and mail them out. If a bestseller gets hundreds of orders, that means he'll handle the book hundreds of times. Both staff have been working in the store for over five years, while Hung started a decade ago. While many young people opt to change jobs frequently, the stability of the bookstore's staff team is impressive. 
Hung thinks it's the bookstore's relaxing and friendly environment that makes people stay. We are more like a family now, though I'm in charge. Sometimes they act like my supervisor. When I make a mess of my desk or forget to restock books, they'll be all over me and give me a lecture. For Hong, there's a more personal reason. Since childhood, her dream was to own a bookshop. So witnessing the development of the archaeological bookstore and finally becoming the manager is a dream come true. But how did she come to realize her aspiration? How has such a niche specialty bookshop survived? Keep listening to find out. When Hung Sha was still a little girl, she fell in love with reading. But growing up in a small village in East China's Anhui province, she didn't have access to any bookstores. She could only read novellas from her Chinese-language textbooks. Books donated to her hometown were mostly reference books on how to write good essays. Before I went to register for high school, there was a bookstore in town. But after the summer break, when the semester began, the bookstore shut down. I felt like I lost a place to read. I guess it was exactly because I lacked the access to a bookstore. I felt desperate for it and wanted to own it myself. Hung studied hard and was admitted to Beijing's capital Normal University to study history. After college, she stayed at the same university to pursue a master's degree in historical philology and bibliography. While her classmates prepared to become a teacher or a researcher, Hung was still dreaming about opening a bookstore. It was around 2011, when I was still in my senior year. I was asked what I wanted to do after college. I wrote that I wanted to open a bookstore. An opportunity sprouted around the same time. During her college years, Hung had a part-time job teaching a junior high student. The student's parents, who both studied history and archaeology, decided to develop a website focusing on archaeology information. Though the website didn't last long, they discovered a niche market. As a complementary part of the website, they introduced related books on archaeology and found people were drawn to the website because of their book recommendations. They started collecting sample books. As their stock grew, they opened a bookstore. A bookstore. It was exactly what Hung yearned for. She started working part-time at the bookstore in 2012. As she finally got closer to her dream, she started to learn the cruel reality of running a bookstore. In the beginning, we were operating in a 20-square-meter room on a second floor. There were only a few iron shelves. Full-time staff at that time were just our founder, Ms. An Yizhi, and another lady. I was still doing my first year of a master's degree, so I worked part-time. Only a few people made purchases from our online store. 
Some institutions ordered from us because they personally knew Mrs. An. So for the first few years, we barely survived on our startup capital, and didn't see much revenue. With a background in historical philology and bibliography, Hung helped Miss An create a shop book list to appeal to readers. They would mail the list to archaeological institutes and bring it to academic forums and conventions. Hung described it as a harsh process. I went with her to many places to seek business opportunities, as school wasn't that busy back then. I remember one day when we were on the road, she suddenly asked me, "What I'm doing all this for?" I forgot where we were at that very moment, but I do remember we were driving uphill, crossing a bridge. We almost gave up. But after hitting rock bottom, they managed to bounce back by sending out book lists and painstakingly promoting themselves online and offline. They managed to establish personal connections with institutions and scholars. The bookstore started to have orders flowing in and stable customers seeking their personalized service. 基本上在一五一六年的时候，其实书店的话，算是至少能做到收支平衡了。Around 2015 to 2016, the bookstore finally broke even. But honestly, we were so close to shutting down. It was the last mile, and we made it. Hong graduated in 2015 and became a full-time staff member. The store was operating well at this point. It seemed that everything was going perfectly for her, but she started to question her decision. Now, I often remember the days when I worked part time. I didn't need to worry about all the trivial things, like sales. I didn't have much pressure. When the full-time staff were on lunch break, I could pick a book from the shelves and spend time reading while looking after the store. Everything seemed pure and simple. At least, all the complex stuff had nothing to do with me. After becoming a full-time staff, however, Hung had to face all the complex and trivial tasks. Her job was no longer simply shelving books or making a book list. She had to juggle several roles as a porter, a customer service representative, and an assistant accountant. At times, unreasonable customers would drive her crazy, bombarding her with questions and tearing open laminated covers without buying a single book. Hong Sha started to feel the weight of reality. She still loved the bookstore, but she was afraid the love would get exhausted in time. In 2016, Hong decided to leave to work in an office. Hung got a job writing social media advertisements at a private company. It was a perfect nine-to-six job, and she no longer needed to work on weekends. Hung started to find a work-life balance. No more annoying customers bothering her after hours. She even picked up her old hobby of writing novels and received some royalties. One year after Hung eased into the new reality, she started missing her life in the bookstore. Her new job paid well, but 
it couldn't give her the satisfaction or sense of achievement she used to gain in the bookstore. As a history major graduate, not being able to utilize what she had learned for years was also disappointing. Maybe Hung was meant to work in a bookstore. While she reminisced about her days in the bookshop, Ms. Anne contacted her. The diligent founder, after years of hard work, hoped to take a break and spend more time with her family. So she asked if Hung was interested in taking over the store as manager. Over the decade, I have always been persistent over what I wanted to pursue. I guess Ms. An appreciated that part of me. That's why she invited me back and trusted me with her store. The year after I left the bookstore, we stayed in touch. She would discuss problems regarding the store and ask me for advice. Whereas I was physically at my new job, my heart actually belonged elsewhere. Though her heart told her to go back to the bookstore, Hongsha also knew the path she was about to choose would be thorny. Seeing her struggle, Hong's friend gave her a pat on the back. I felt so hesitant to figure things out. I asked my friend out for dinner and solicit her opinions. I still remember vividly the moment we were about to part. We were at a subway station. I was boarding the train. My friend was standing on the platform. She said to me, Xia, if you've chosen the bookstore, just go for it. You have my support. So in 2017, after experimenting with life for a year, Hung decided to return to the bookstore. She knew it would be a hard journey, but she couldn't resist. I just love it. What can you do? I fell in love with bookstores without a reason. Once you fell in love, it was like someone put a spell on you. You were hypnotized. You were told to love it, no matter how hard and tiring the job can be. Since then, she took over the baton from Ms. An and kept expanding the store. When Hong first joined in 2012, the bookstore had only 1,000 titles. Now it stocks nearly 12,000 titles. The 20-square-meter room has grown to a 159-square-meter complex. For years, people have been saying that books are dying. About 50% brick-and-mortar bookstores in China reportedly closed down from 2004 to 2014. A more recent white paper on the country's book industry revealed that over 1,500 independent bookstores shut down in 2020. In this seemingly dire situation, Hung's bookstore, which taps into a niche market, has survived and also thrived. But. What is the secret behind its success? Stay tuned. Some attribute the store's success to its high profit margin. Archaeological books and museum catalogues are often priced high. Because of their unique academic and social value, they are rarely on sale, even on e-commerce platforms like Amazon. Hung, however, gives a different answer. I don't think 
A specialty bookstore like us gets to survive because our books are priced higher. The real answer, I believe, is that the relationship we have with our readers is different. For example, for some bookstore chains that offer fancy office supply and boast Instagrammable designs, what have they positioned themselves for? When you appeal with interior design, you attract people who visit your store to take pictures and share on social media. Will they buy the books? Maybe. But I doubt they'll actually read them. But we are positioned to specialize in books on archaeology and history. We attract very loyal readers. They don't come for our environment. We don't have that. They don't order coffee or food. We don't have that either. But once they recognize our store and service, they'll keep coming back. Hung told us that they are the only independent bookstore specializing in archaeological books in Beijing. As for other cities, she's not sure. Though Hongsha has to deal with unreasonable customers from time to time, in most occasions she's encouraged and inspired by her readers. We have a regular customer. He first came to us looking for a 1972 issue of the journal Archaeology. We had it, but it was archived, not for sale. So I fetched the journal for him to browse. Then he asked for another issue. I found that for him as well. As a way to pay us back, he bought some other books and sent me detailed book reviews on every book he purchased. I was so impressed. Most of Hong's customers are prestigious universities, museums and archaeological institutes in China. Leading scholars from China and abroad also frequent the store. Our customers from abroad are mostly individual scholars. This afternoon, I need to mail a box of books on Qing Dynasty porcelains to a scholar in Japan. Besides the professionals, Hong has started to see more young fans of archaeology. I had a six- or seven-year-old little reader. He's so mature. He frequented our store to browse and read our books. When the latest discoveries at the archaeological site San Xindui made waves, he came for books on San Xindui and its bronze arts. Once, when he was in the store, he also wanted to buy a book on ancient horse harnesses and carriages. It was so complicated. So I asked if he could understand. He said he knew what he was reading. The boy's parent told me he was attending seminars at the National Museum of China to study about bronze vessels and jade vessels. That kid really impressed me. As a history major graduate, Hong values her field of specialty a lot and hopes to offer both experts and young scholars a place to pursue knowledge. With a collection of rare books and journals that are no longer in print, Hung often receives messages from college students and professional institutions seeking help on their research. A young student needed a book with a retail price of 860 yuan. Only our store has it. She needed to find some information for her graduate thesis. She's not from Beijing, so she could not come to browse it. 
I ended up taking pictures over 60 pages and sent them to her. When you learn more about the field of archaeology, you realize the amount of effort they put in is enormous. Many people say medical school is hard. Studying archaeology is equally challenging. Students need to work at excavation sites while burying themselves in piles of books. Many books are hard to find. Libraries often don't collect the latest research findings that are desperately wanted by students working on their papers. Many students don't even have access to a proper library. So, they find us. In the future, Hung has an ambition. She wants to create a library corner at the bookstore for scholars and young students to browse archived archaeological journals and the latest research findings. She's also planning to devise a membership mechanism to offer better service to her loyal readers. But, she joked, the most important thing for her is always survival. The first and foremost goal for me is always to ensure the bookstore can stay alive. On top of that, I'll consider how can I make the most out of its potential. Though the bookstore has an annual revenue of approximately 5 million yuan, it barely covered all the expense of their book purchases, rent and employee salaries. Hung feels a lot of pressure. The impact on brick-and-mortar bookstores is indeed profound. Especially with the COVID-19 pandemic, people are earning less when they have to cut their daily expenses and tighten their wallets. They'll save up money spent on books for food and drinks. At the same time, there are so many other ways to obtain knowledge. If I don't have time to read a book, I'll just listen to podcasts or watch a video. The impact of online retailers is always there. But on top of all that, the publishers are also giving us a hard time by selling signed books and giving better deals directly to readers. With the existential crisis ever-present, Hung has tried to be creative and expand their online presence. But at the end of the day, she believes running her physical bookstore well is the most crucial thing to do. Facing so much pressure from the outside world, I also thought about making some changes to comply with the current trends. I tried posting short videos and doing live streaming on social media platforms. You are living in this digital era, and you have to go with the flow. But I believe there are things that we need to hold on to like a brick-and-mortar bookstore. It has to be there. Before we parted, Hong shared a recent episode she had with a customer. I want to quickly share this story with you. A father brought his son to the store the other day. The moment he stepped in, he said something to his son that I've remembered right up till today. He said, Come in. This is a bookstore of the past, a real bookstore. It's different from all the other bookshops. It's moments like this that give Hong hope and confidence in what she's doing. 
。我觉得它最大的一个存在的意义是一个精神寄托。I believe the very existence of a bookstore offers people spiritual sustenance. Many people may never visit the bookstore in their neighborhood, but what would happen if that bookstore shuts down? Everyone starts recalling the good old days and paying tribute to the place. So, as a bookseller, I never think bookstores are dying. I don't believe they are no longer needed today. With that, we conclude this episode of Footprints. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to our reporter Wang Chuan. I'm Bob Jones. If you're interested in hearing more about the lives of ordinary people in China, follow us on Apple Podcast. Just key in "footprints" and you can find more stories anytime, anywhere. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.